The Alaska Powerline podcast is generously supported by GenPack. As a stocking electric utility distributor, GenPack has taken care of customers in the Pacific Northwest since 1965. With a strong customer focus and dedicated sales staff, they have built lasting relationships by providing quality products with value-added services. Now with a new Anchorage warehouse and a dedicated Alaska sales and support team, GenPack is ready to take care of their Alaska customers for years to come. Visit them at www.genpac.com for more information. GenPack, taking care of our customers since 1965. Welcome to Alaska Powerline, the podcast of Alaska Power Association, the statewide trade association for electric utilities in Alaska. On Alaska Powerline, we talk about issues facing Alaska's electric utilities, interview a wide range of guests, and demystify what it takes to provide power in the last frontier. Welcome back to the Alaska Powerline podcast. I'm Michael Ravito, Deputy Director of Alaska Power Association, and we're excited today to be joined on the podcast by Will Cheney, the CEO and General Manager of Nushigat Cooperative out in Dillingham. Will, how's it going? Really good, Michael. Thanks for thanks for having us on the show. Yeah, thanks for being here. It's uh, you know, kind of not too early in the morning, but still kind of bright and early, and things are going well out in in, in the Dillingham area these days. Y- yes, sir. Uh, lights are on. The communications working. Uh, the weather's fighting us at every turn, but uh, things are things are up and running. Thanks. Yeah, it seems to be the story of Alaska this winter is fighting the weather at every single turn. For sure, yeah. So, Will, for, for people who might not be familiar, can you tell us a little bit about Nushigat Cooperative and kind of what the co-op does? Because I know you're, you're a little bit different than some co-ops in the state in that you provide more than just electric service. And what's your service territory like out there? Um, we are, yeah. So, so we're a, a combined utility, um, um, one, of, one of few, but uh, we provide electric telephone, cable TV, and internet. Um, our, our electric coverage area is, is Dillingham and Lechnigic. We also provide communications to uh, Clarks Point and Manakota, which um, are not connected to Dillingham, but we, we use microwave to get out to those areas. And uh, of course, you can imagine, you know, the, the maintenance um, the maintenance issues that that brings into the picture. We Those are uh, accessed by uh, aircraft or sometimes snow machine. It's, it's been a number of years now, but we've actually snow machined over to those communities in the past to, to, uh, to, to bring things back online, but, uh, pretty diverse area and the combined nature of the utility. We, we started as an electric utility, oh, in the early sixties. Um, and the telephone provider of the, of that era, I'll say, uh, was, uh, faced with a lot of challenges working in remote rural Alaska uh, in that time period. I think they, they were doing the best they could. What, what the community members realized is the, the local electric co-op was, was doing, um, I'll say, a, a good enough job that they figured they would bring the, try to bring the telephone into the utility as well. Um, it, was, it, was a, it was a public effort to, to make that happen. Um, pulled in the telephone and then um, and years later, we we brought the cable TV on on board as well. And when internet showed up, it's just a natural progression, right? So, yeah, it seems yeah. like Nishigak was doing such a good job. You people said, "Let's do more, more and more." Careful what you ask for, right? Exactly, exactly. Now, to give people an idea of kind of the size, how many members do you have at the co-op out there? Uh, just over two thousand, I believe. We've got about fourteen hundred electric services in our service territory, and. Um, 
I think we're close to that on the on the communication side as well. Uh, Dillingham is about two thousand people. Okay, two thousand people. And Will, how long have you been at Nishigak? Um, so this is my twenty third year. Um, I was working for a contractor. Uh, I started started in line work on the on the North Slope. Uh, that was a that was a great introduction to it uh, in January and February. Spent two months up there. And, Came back, went to work for a contractor in town, um, and, uh, and then a position opened up in the power plant. So I applied for that and got that. Um, worked in the powerhouse for for six months before a position opened up on the on the line crew. Um, so I transitioned over to the to uh, to our apprentice position. Uh, went through that, um, obtained my certificate of fitness, and um, stayed in stayed uh, on the line crew for a number of years. Uh, moved into staking and metering after that, and then into the uh, electric operations manager's position before um, moving into the CEO position. So, um, seen 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 the co-op from a lot of different angles. <laughs> yeah, you're you're like a, a walking advertisement for the co-op career path because you know a lot of the times I think we tell people who are lo- considering a career about the stability and the, uh, the, the job track of the electric co-op and or co-op like yours that does more than just electric. So you're definitely, you come up through the ranks. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and Mike, like couldn't be happier. That was one of the things I always said was I, I got to do what I wanted to do where I wanted to do it. So real, real fortunate in that regard and, and very appreciative of that very co-op, you know, structure. Yeah, that's great. And you're born and raised in Dillingham, correct? Born and raised in Dillingham as my wife, uh, uh, raised in Dillingham, and um, we've got five children. Uh, my my mom was from the born and raised in the Dillingham area, mm-hmm. uh, in Dillingham proper. My dad was from the Cuscoquim, um, up near Bethel. So he came down in the in the early '60s and and um, and um, started the family here. And and uh, boy, we just we just haven't left yet. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's a beautiful place. I've been fortunate, you know, come out and visit you guys a few times since I've worked here at APA. And just for for somebody who might not know where Dillingham is, can you kind of describe geographically, like where it's situated in the state? You, you bet, southwest Alaska, Bristol Bay. I I um, I always say we're on the north side of where the Aleutian chain comes back into the mainland. Um, Bristol Bay, we are, you know, that that salmon capital of the world, if you will, um, the largest wild sockeye salmon fishery remaining um, in the world. And um, that has been, you know, the driver for Bristol Bay. I, I hope everybody associates Bristol Bay with salmon. Um, that's that's what we've done for a lot of years. And, and um, you know, if boy, if, if we can help it, we'd love to keep doing that. But uh, it's a beautiful place. Um, and, uh, you know, that was one of my my dad's comments was coming from the Bethel area. They he said they I, I went down there. They had trees and lakes and rivers and mountains and uh, just never left. <laughs> yeah, I've been there before. And when the uh, kind of the ice chunks were flowing up the Nushigak <laughs> River and it's it's at sunrise and it's just one of the most oh. astounding sights I've seen before. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That that that's. Uh, I've, I've got pictures myself and, and I'm from here. <laughs> yeah, it's really beautiful. So my next question, I think, will segue us into our big topic of, of the day, which is currently and since Nushigak has been around, how have you guys generated your electric power out there? What fuel source do you use? Michael, like like most of the uh, remote communities out here in our area, um, 100% diesel. It's, um, it's, it's, it's been our friend. Um, mm-hmm. we're, we're very familiar with it. We know how to procure it. We know how to transport it. We know how to store it, um, burn it. And, um, and, uh, that, that's, that's been a, 
uh, ever-present relationship since electrification. Um, as we are all aware, um, things have been changing lately. You know, the the pandemic was 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 one um, we didn't know what to expect. Like most, uh, we the fear was the price of fuel was going to just skyrocket. Mm-hmm. Um, it it ended up <laughs> going the opposite direction for us. But uh, you know that that didn't that didn't take away some of the panic that we'd already gone through to to that point. But um, you know the the present political position and the world's in um, it's it's uh, it's it's caused us to really take a good hard look at uh, where energy comes from out here um, in in certainly in in Dillingham mm-hmm. and I, I know um, from our trips through Juno and and back through DC um, we're we're not alone everybody is very concerned with where the energy is going to come from I, I you know I like to tell people that every time we go back to Washington, D.C., um, the, the conversations we hear, and, and even on the news, you, the conversations you hear are, you know, we need to quit producing fossil fuel, we need to quit consuming fossil fuel. Um, presently, that's our only answer for energy out here in Bristol Bay. Um, and, and we need to continue, you know, existing out here, but also processing salmon mm-hmm. um, and, and providing services. So um, that's that's kind of um, really, really caused us to to look at some some alternative options. Yeah, and speaking of that alternative, there's a very exciting project you guys are working on out there called the Neokuk River Hydroelectric Project. And it's a pretty big deal, especially since, I mean, for your region, obviously, you just talked about being 100% diesel and this would diversify away from that. But also the fact that there is kind of rare to see new hydroelectric projects uh, in Alaska. And so you guys are really pursuing something new out there. So tell us a little bit about Neokuk and how it came to be and what, what the, what, what the goal is. You bet. Thanks, Michael. Um, we are, and, and I guess to, to even go back a little bit further, um, before we talk about Neokuk, I can, uh, color into some of the corners there. Um, the, the cooperative has in the past looked into, to other alternative energy sources out here, uh, in region. Um, we're at the at the outlet of the Woodtick State Park, uh, largest state park in the nation, and um, when that when that management plan was formed um, years ago, uh, there were two hydro sites um, called out in it um, as as possible resources in the future. Uh, the cooperative, well, the, it, initially the the public utility district before we were a cooperative looked into one of the two. Um, as a cooperative, we have uh, also looked into that resource in, in Lake Elva, as well as a, another one in, in Grant Lake. Um, we have a Grant Lake over here as well in the, in the Wood River Lake system. So, and, and both resources on the smaller side, deep in the park, accessing access and, and getting a transmission line built would be challenging. Um, so the, those two didn't pan out. Um, we've also, uh, with in conjunction with REAP, looked into the wind resources in and around the Dillingham area. We are that coastal community. We've got a lot of loam um, um, soil uh, down, down and around the coast. Of course, where the wind resource could be, um, could look uh applicable i guess but but to do that the uh the cost of constructing the foundations um factors in so wind and those other two small hydro resources are are um maybe supplemental in the future but but as far as base load uh, they don't check that box 
Uh, we've had some very wild ideas in the past. Um, we've we've had some folks come up and and um, and and talk about uh, peat biomass, uh, burning, uh, harvesting and drying and burning peat for for biomass generation. Uh, alders, harvesting and drying uh, alders as well as salmon carcasses. <laughs> oh, um, Stinky. All, all, <laughs> all of those seem, um, you know. Uh, I'll say maybe far-fetched, uh, worth looking into, worth mentioning, but, uh, but what, the answer we need is, is that base load resource. So expanding, um, expanding our, our scope, uh, New Yukuk Hydro, uh, New Yukuk Falls were identified. Um, there's been a stream gauge on site since the early fifties, USGS installed a stream gauge up there. So we've got a really good, uh, body of information on, on the flows through that site going all the way back to the fifties based on what we've seen um, presently we're looking at a 12 to 14 megawatt uh, resource um, and and being the member-owned not-for-profit cooperative we are and and uh, and where we are we understood that that salmon would be front and center um, that is that is the the bar to get over um, if it if it can work with salmon and, and other natural resources in the area um, it could be the, a very meaningful answer for Bristol Bay. Yeah. So, no. and, and, and that's, that's really interesting, that kind of progression that you looked at a, a bunch of these different alternatives and this was the one that made the most sense. Cause I think you mentioned the term baseload, which, you know, for listeners who don't know, that's that consistent, uh, power source that is not intermittent wind and solar kind of comes and goes as the weather comes in, but hydropower can be a more constant source cause you need that. You don't want the lights to go out. So that, Definitely, especially in a place like uh, Dillingham, you are not interconnected to any other electric system in the state. You're essentially a microgrid out there, right? Correct. Yeah, we, we are. I, I mentioned earlier, uh, Dillingham and Lechnig are presently connected. Um, we've, got, we've got right near 100 miles of distribution um, on our system. And, um, and something like this would bring with it a transmission line, of course, from the hydro site down to Dillingham. Um, the, the initial plan that we looked at was, uh, that transmission line from, from New York Hydro into Electigic to connect Electigic and Dillingham, but also extending that transmission line out, uh, east to the Nushigak river on its route down to Electigic. Um, what we can do, uh, there is connect the villages of Ekwok, New Stuyahawk, which are already connected with distribution. Those are AVEC communities. Um, and then also Kaliganik. Um, three remote villages to, that are also on 100% diesel generation. And, and the, the plan also uh, involves going underneath the Nushiak River to get over to Leavelock, um, connecting Leavelock as well. Uh, that was the initial plan. It's, you know, as things develop, we've also uh, taken a look. If, if, if you get to Leavelock with transmission, you are... I'll say what is a short 30 miles from, from Naknik and King Salmon. Um, you know, I think, I think the, those of us in the industry realize that transmission is cheaper to maintain than these scattered diesel generation sites and storage fuel storage facilities. So in that, in that transmission growth, we, we create a, um, transmission corridor out here in Bristol Bay, you know, uh, somewhat similar to the rail belt grid, if you will. Um, but uh, out here in Bristol Bay, that what that 
what that equates to is uh, putting a renewable online. It would be, we've looked at between 135 to 200 miles of transmission. Um, the other interesting aspect there is what that, I'll say 200 miles of transmission brings with it is the ability to, we transition through a lot of very uh, varied terrain and passing by a couple of mountains, um, a lot of vast expanses of tundra. Um, now we can look at bringing on other supplemental renewables such as solar and wind. Uh, I mentioned earlier our, our foundation cost uh, hurdle for, for wind in the Dillingham proper area. Well, if we're near a rock promontory out in the middle of the flats, then we, you know, that, that brings down those foundation costs. Um, access is still an issue, but if we can, if we can anchor a turbine out there um, easier than we can on the coast, then it, then it starts to make sense. We've got a base load in that hydro, adding supplementals to a transmission system uh, would be, would be much more cost effective and, and much more realistic in that case. Yeah, so I'm looking at the map here as you were mentioning those outlying villages to connect. You'd all of us have this like fascinating little grid in southwest Alaska. You're gonna have to come up with a snappy name for that that grid out there, huh? <laughs> yeah, and I'm not I'm not good at snappy names either. So you'll have to help me, Michael. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We could have a naming contest. That'd yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Back to the hydro. So it's it's in, and I've I've seen some photos on the map. You know, you have a, a falls, a natural falls there. How, kind of technically, how would the uh, how would the hydro project appear if you were to look at it once it's finished? I mean, is it, is it going to be an intake with a penstock, or uh, how are you guys going to construct it out there? Yeah. So one of the one of the most important things to um, to say, and and I I um, usually in my in the presentations we've delivered. Um, recently and in the and in the past, I, I say it three times. This project does not involve a dam, mm-hmm. and and I literally there is no dam with this project. This is a diversion project, so um, I liken it to a bathtub drain at the top. We've got about a twenty four to twenty six foot elevation difference um, <clears throat> from the upper end of the falls to the lower end. It's considered a low head resource, um, not a lot of change, but uh, but enough that that we've pinpointed that 12 to 14 megawatt number for generation so we would have an intake at the top and um, and reintroduce the water at the lower end of the falls and the, the falls run um, uh, the river the the river runs out and around a, an oxbow if you will mm-hmm. and uh, so what what the new York hydro project is looking at it would be an intake at the top and cutting off of that oxbow through the the penstock and reintroducing the water at the base of the falls um, so it avoids about a quarter mile of the river and then it's reintroduced at the bottom. So it sounds like you're really just using the river's natural flow plus gravity essentially to do all the work. Yes, sir. Yep. And, and presently, um, right now we have access to 30% of the flow. Um, and, uh, that, that, that gives us the 12 to 14 megawatt number. Um, that 30% access is to guarantee that the, that the salmon that transition those falls have enough water to continue doing what they've been doing for, for generations. Um, again, I, I can't stress enough, you know, it's, it's, um, it, and it, and it needs to be, to, to be spoken to, I guess, um, that, that the realization of the importance of the salmon is, is there front and center, mm-hmm. but, coupled with that is is the importance of where our energy is going to come from 
Um, you know, right now the the fuel security is the issue. I um, I everybody when when we think about fuel today, whether it's for our homes or our vehicles. Um, everybody uh, goes straight to cost, and and as do we. Everybody is price sensitive, but um, the security of that fuel is one thing. When when we when we order our fuel, there there are times we're looking for uh, 1.5 million gallons. You know that's that's not an insignificant ask. And and uh, if if and when we're told that um, you know that isn't available in that quantity. All of a sudden, that brings with it some some really tough questions of okay, if we can't get the fuel we need, where's the energy come from? How how do we answer the question then? And that's one of the reasons I'm I'm really happy we're looking at this the way we're looking at it and the, in the time we're looking at it because right now we're not in that emergency, we're not in that crisis situation, and that's what I I hope we can stay away from. I I, I feel much more comfortable you know looking at the information that we're gathering. Um, outside of a crisis than I would if, if we were trying to gather this information to get to a project. Right now, we're simply assessing the feasibility. Um, we're looking to answer the questions, um, you know, whether or not this is the right project for our region. Um, and uh, once we once we get through the, we've got a, a two-year study season planned right now, that, that gets enough information to start to have the conversation, if you will. Um, our, you know, we've got a, a nine-member all-volunteer board out here, two of which are active uh, Bristol Bay uh, drift fishermen. Mm-hmm. Um, our two oldest sons are, are presently um, uh, permit holders for the Bristol Bay uh, salmon fishery. And, um, you know, there, there's you don't have to go very far to, to find folks that understand the importance of the fishery out here. But uh, but. In that, we also we also have to have the energy to uh, to conduct and and um, and support the fishery. So, a lot of tough questions. Yeah, and I, I know as as we at APA have kind of followed along with your process out there as you go through this. You know, Nushigak has definitely stressed the the taking care of the salmon first, like you've been mentioning. But we've we have seen you know you talked about emergency situations. You know, there have been incidents in the state where maybe the rivers freeze up early or some sort of glitch happens and communities don't receive their receive their fuel shipment on time and suddenly if you're relying on 100% diesel you're in a pickle because you you know there's no nowhere else to get your power from and so this diversification seems to really make a lot of sense yeah no for sure and 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 the other supplementals i mentioned as well um you know it's just in and around dillingham solar is probably the fastest growing um renewable out there um we have we have neighboring utilities i'll say that are that are um expanding their solar uh investments and and for 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 us out here in rural alaska that's always a a a good indicator when you've got somebody who has invested in something and then reinvested in it um you know that's that's a that's a, a a sign that that it's probably worth pursuing so um as a supplemental Solar could be a, a great thing. Uh, wind as well. You know, if we can if we can find a place to incorporate that, and and tap it into the transmission system, um, boy, it could it could help out a lot of communities out here that are 100% diesel reliant. Yeah, and, and there's a good example of how this works. Your one of your neighbors to your east, I guess, INN Electric Cooperative has a Tizibina Falls hydropower project, and they that is a run of river. I've been out there before. It's you know just uh, an intake with a penstock and. 
it's interesting when you go out to INN, their diesel plant is completely silent, right? Because they're running on hydro. So that's kind of what you guys are aiming for, I think. Absolutely. No. And, and George has been, George Hornberger, the manager over there, has been just a wonderful resource for us. Again, um, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier some of the solar investments. Well, George has had that uh, Tizimina project online since 1998, I believe. And and the, the, the most stunning statement he um, delivered to me was earlier this year. He said, uh, you know, well, last year we, we burned uh, just, I think it was 2,800 gallons of diesel fuel last year. Which um, is nothing. 98% hydro. We yeah. Nushigak, when we're processing fish, we can burn just north of 5,000 gallons a day yeah. um, processing salmon. And, and that all of that fuel has to be bought, transported. Uh, stored and then and then consumed and of course as as most of us that are on diesel understand it's not over uh, there you also have to pay the fees for the for the emissions so um, the costs are are compounding and and um, and the cost of everything seems to be on the increase so there's a lot of a lot of good reasons to to look into other alternative sources yeah so, Will, I wonder, you know, you talked about you have a two-year study, um, I guess, process that you're in right now. Mm-hmm. Um, if things go perfectly, which finger, mm-hmm. all my fingers are crossed that they, that they do, yeah. <laughs> um, what, what is the future? What, what happens next after that study, that study process? So, so we would certainly have um, a long um, public outreach. We've, we've got a... a very serious conversation to have with our stakeholders out here in Bristol Bay. Um, if if all of that goes well, and and very hypothetical, I, I try to be very careful in talking about how this goes forward because I do not, uh, we cannot put forth that this that there is a plan to construct. This is that feasibility assessment, and and that's all it is right now. But uh, but you know you you can't. Uh, you can't just plan. There's, there's got to be some, some uh, boxes to check in there. And, and looking forward, um, if this were to, to move forward, I, I, I would imagine, you know, there would be a couple of years to, to line up some funding for, uh, for a, a project build, if you will. Uh, we've got a permitting process that we would have to go through. And, and if the 24 study season got us over a bar, and we went to licensing. It would be at least a year before the the license were were acquired, and then a couple of years to line up some funding, probably to get ready for construction. And and we're looking at you know three to four years for construction. Um, all very hypothetical, but uh, but okay. big picture stuff. Yeah. So so you're moving towards something, and and maybe the uh, the elephant in the room or the 500 pound gorilla. You mentioned a little bit out there, but. You know, with, with the funding of a project like this, you're you're a small co-op out out rural Alaska. How does a small co-op with two thousand or not, you know maybe two thousand members go about financing or funding something like this? We we would be looking for for grants for sure. Um, and and one thing you know in in introducing the hydroelectric conversation out here in Bristol Bay, um, we've we've uh, had some folks uh, come to the determination that that we're getting free electricity using the water. Um, not the case. What, what we, what we see happening, uh, if this were to come to fruition, um, once the hydro is online, we can at, at the very least stabilize the rates. We, it pulls us out of that world oil market, uh, roller coaster, if you will. Um, and depending on the amount of grant funding, 
um, that we can acquire to, to build this project. Um, that, that dictates how fast the project matures, how fast we pay the debt down. Um, once the debt is paid down, then we have that, that level of control to be able to, to decrease the rates. Um, and, and then it just becomes a, a question of what does it cost to, to continue the operation? Um, I think, and Michael, you may know better than I, but I believe there are three hydro projects within the state that are over a hundred years old. They have, they have been, um, using water to produce their electricity for, for over a hundred years. And that's, that's, you know, that's, that's a, that's a very desirable position to be in. I refer back to George again, uh, over there at INN, that was, you know, early on talking to him was, was incredibly helpful, but that was one of his comments was hydro is not easy. It's, it's <laughs> not, it's not just to, to install it and let it go. He said, you, you have to want to do it. Um, but, but that's true with everything out here in the bush. And, and what we, what is really important is finding something that works and is reliable, you know, and, and, and I, you know, hydro has done that in, in areas of the state. I think our, our big question is the, is the salmon. Um, can we do it in conjunction with the, the salmon that are, are using that same, that same waterway? Yeah, totally. Well, and Will, you, you hit right on it with that word reliable. Cause I think you're right. You know, there are, are a few hydroelectric projects in Alaska, particularly in Southeast that have been around for more than a hundred years and they're just proven the work, the water's there, the resources there. You're not relying on barges to bring fuel in. Uh, you know, you're not relying on, you know, a, a war in the Middle East or something that could spike prices for somebody in rural Alaska. And so, right. yeah, I think that, you know, the, that, that hydropower reliability is there in so many aspects, be it technical and operational or financial as well. So it's, yeah, it's a great way to do. No, for sure, Michael. And, and one of the things I haven't mentioned yet, you know, in, in Dillingham being a hub in Bristol Bay, um, really important to have the amenities, if you will, we've we've got the the hospital here in Dillingham. We've got the the um, the large airstrip for 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 large aircraft. We've got the the Altide dock um, and the and the city support services. All of those are reliant on a, a, a reliable source of energy. Um, it's something like I say. We we understand that you know today is great. We're 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 on diesel right now and it's working, but in five and 10 and 15, 20 years, um, you know, is, is that still going to be a, a viable answer? So, um, it, it's, I think it's, it's money and time well spent right now to look into, into these other options, um, that we have in region that we can have some control over. Totally. Well, Will, you got a great project out there and we really appreciate you stopping by the podcast to, to talk about it. And I'm looking forward to having you back here when it's almost like getting ready to be turned on and we can, we can talk all about how successful it's been out there because I know you guys are doing a great job out in Dillingham. Yep. yep. No, really appreciate it, Michael. Thank you for the time and, uh, and enjoy the show. Thank you. Thanks. So we've been talking with Will Cheney, the CEO and general manager of Nushigat Cooperative in Dillingham, Alaska. And this is the Alaska Powerline Podcast. Thanks for joining us, folks, and we'll see you on the next episode. <laughs>